0: It's never a good idea to take the law into your own hands, but it's an especially bad idea to do it when the law in question is a public health regulation and you're doing it in the middle of a raging pandemic. The owner of an Etobicoke restaurant is under arrest after attempting to reopen for indoor dining a third day in a row. However, his arrest is now fueling supporters who gathered in front of Adamson Barbecue to protest the lockdown measures.
1: He actually broke through the drywall and entered his restaurant that way, then broke the locks and opened up the doors. He was subsequently arrested and charged for several things.
0: The saga of Adamson Barbecue gripped Toronto for three full days this week. Mostly because its owner was dumb enough or desperate enough for attention to keep opening up the location and police were weak enough not to shut him down the first time. But this mess is just a symbol of a bigger screw-up that's pushed Ontario businesses in COVID-19 hot zones to the breaking point. Thankfully, other owners have not been as reckless as Adamson's owner, but there is no shortage of stories making their way around the city via social media. There's the one about the massive retail chain opening its flagship downtown store because that store has a small grocery store in the basement for essentials. There's another one about an international clothing mega chain defying the provincial shutdown because it has a stand of sanitizers and masks near the entrance and that, yes, makes it essential. And meanwhile... Hundreds of normally responsible community-based retailers are wondering, well, why don't I do that? Why don't I grab a box of masks, sell them for a quarter each, and open my doors for the holiday season? This is, after all, the tipping point for most retailers. This is the month in a regular year when they either turn a profit or sign off on a bad financial result. And this year, it's already going to be a bad financial result so the holiday season is now about survival and the odds for that are currently stacked against them. So what can they do? What should the government do to fix this? What can we do in the meantime to help them? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Ryan Malo is the Director of Provincial Affairs for Ontario at the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses. He has, I'm guessing, a lot of angry members right now. Hi, Ryan. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I know that not all small businesses in this province are doing the same. Why don't you tell me, uh, to start, what you're hearing from your members right now?
1: Uh, there's a lot of anger, and I will say it's sort of uh, progressed on a, on a pretty pretty common path. It's gone from frustration to exasperation to outright anger with the new uh, measures that the government has put in. They're seen as patently unfair and as giving big box retailers a major advantage over local independent shops.
0: I'm going to get into exactly why um, they feel they're unfair and what can be done in a second. But first, um, I know this has been a tough year for all businesses, but as we kind of head into the last month, into the holiday season... How dire is the situation for uh, Ontario small businesses right now?
1: It's looking pretty grim. I mean, our our latest numbers show that uh, across the province, only about 28% of small businesses are making normal revenue levels for this time of year. Uh, And when you talk about retail specifically... This time of year is incredibly important. You know, losing sales in March, April, May was not good. Uh, it certainly hurt. But to lose sales in November and December for a retailer is absolutely devastating. This is when they make their revenue. This is when they make their money that gets them through the traditionally lean months of January, February, March. And under the current system, uh, the ones in Toronto and Peel aren't able to do that. Um, so it's, it's, it's a dire situation and there is a lot at risk in the coming days, uh, for small business owners.
0: Give me a sense of the scale of that. Like in a normal year, you know, how much, uh, of your revenue would you try to bank in November and December for, for retailers, not necessarily restaurants or anything?
1: So of course it, it depends on the retailer and, you know, the items that they're selling. But for some of these guys, you're looking at, you know, 50, 60, 70% at sometimes, um, depending on, you know, what's, what's hot that holiday shopping season. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, they, they, you know, I, I heard a, a another uh, reporter talking, you know, they call it Black Friday because that's when a lot of businesses get into the black for the year. Um, and that's that's something that's quite true. Um, and again, the, the longer we go, the further we go through Christmas. You know, it's it's great to have things like curbside. It's great to have delivery. But none of those uh, are a replacement for having in-store shoppers during the holiday season.
0: So explain to me what the current rules uh, in Toronto and Peel Dictate, and then we'll get into how they apply and to whom.
1: So, the current rules in Toronto and Peel say that uh, a retail business can be open to sell essential items only. So, we're looking at uh, grocery items, pharmaceutical items, uh, safety equipment, uh, hardware items, things like that. now, the, the and for, for all other retailers are considered non-essential. So if you're selling some of those things, then you can be open to in-store traffic. If you're not selling those things, then you have to be closed to in-store traffic. Uh, but you are allowed to offer a curbside uh, pickup and delivery. Now, the, the main pain point and the source of the immense frustration and, again, outright anger for a small retailer is that if you sell groceries as part of what you sell, but not all of what you sell. So we're really talking about the Walmarts, the Costcos, the Loblaws that have the Joe Fresh in them. They're allowed to be open to selling all of their products, whether or not they're essential, so long as they offer uh, that, that those essential items. Uh, and that, again, is what's patently unfair. Your local independent florist is being told that it is unsafe for a customer to come in and buy flowers, but you can buy flowers at Costco with three or 400 other people With you, And that's, again, that's where the the frustration, that's where the anger is really coming from. It very much feels like the government is prioritizing big box stores and their needs over the little guy.
0: I mentioned uh, in the intro to this podcast, the stories that I've heard um, going around social media, you know, the the bay is open because there is a a grocery store in the basement or uh, a major clothing retailer is open because they have a stand that sells masks. Uh, What kinds of stories like that are, are you hearing?
1: Yeah, we've actually heard both of those ones. We've heard, you know, if you sell something like a, a winter jacket, that could be a, a safety item. Um, we've had a number of business ask if they put, you know, a, a bag of chips or some cookies or, uh, even a, a power drill at the cash register. Does that mean that they can be open to selling their, you know, uh, TVs or their clothing or their books? Um, and, and really what it stems from, and I, I don't begrudge A business like the Bay thinking that they could be open because quite frankly, when you read through the government rules, the way the Bay was justifying it actually made a lot of sense. Uh, one of the things that we were immensely frustrated with and our members were immensely frustrated with during the spring lockdown was the lack of clarity from government. The rules were unclear. They seemed to change daily. The government would never tell anybody when they made changes. Uh, and when you called into the hotline, you know, if you called in, in the morning, they'd say you have to be closed. And then if you call in the afternoon, they'd be like, actually, I think you can be open. Well, we're five, six months later and that's happening again. Uh, Just this week, I had a a vacuum store call in. We called the hotline on his behalf. They told us under under no circumstances can that business be open. He called in the afternoon and they told him absolutely. Pet stores were considered essential along with the hardware pharmacy uh, and and grocery guys back in the spring uh, where pet groomers were considered non essential well, fast forward six months later, and now the groomers are essential, but the pet stores have been left off in general retail, and so you have a lot of people scrambling to get, you know, their their uh specialized or dietary restrictive pet food, but can only do it via curbside, um, which I mean we're talking about big bags and a lot of product and be quite difficult. So I, I again I I know how much attention a lot of these these stories are getting where you sort of as as a, a person out there roll your eyes at how much uh, you know, someone like the bay thinking they can be open is kind of ridiculous, and and I get where you're coming from. But at the same time, the government has not made these rules clear, uh, and it's it's as frustrating for the big guys as it is for the little guys because no one really knows what the threshold is. The government the government justified asking the bay to shut down by saying you need a full grocery component and no one knows what full grocery component means. Are we talking floor space, percentage of revenues, percentage of inventory? There's just no clarity out there for a business owner.
0: So what do you tell businesses then that call you and, and say, like you just said, you know, can I, can I buy some masks and put them up for sale or a power drill or a jacket? What do you say to them?
1: Well, we do our best. We, we call the hotline. We, you know, we we look at the spirit of what some of these rules are. And I know that, you know, the the government would kind of give you a look if you suggested that that was the case and say, you know, this this isn't really what we are intending. But really, what we try to do is bring every single bit of this feedback back to the decision makers to say, you guys have to be clear. I mean, we. We cannot have someone whose livelihood is on the line told that they have to close when it turns out they didn't have to or who are risking significant fines and enforcement by being open when they shouldn't. You absolutely have to be clear. And again, The frustrating part about all of this is we had five months to get this right. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are once again in the same situation. I think the current uh, framework has been updated four times between when it was announced on uh, Friday and uh, today uh, on Thursday. Um, And I expect it will continue to be to be updated. And again, it's incumbent on groups like us to check that daily uh, to see what the rules are on any given day.
0: Speaking of how that frustration and anger manifests, what do you think? Um, what goes through your mind when you see something like what's been happening with Adamson Barbecue this week?
1: I mean, it's it's twofold. Hearing from members on a daily basis and the the frustration that they're feeling and the anger they're feeling, quite frankly, the fear and stress that they're feeling over what's happening to their businesses. I do understand where the owner of Adamson Barbecue is coming from. Because again, I hear it. I hear it all the time. That being said, we have to work within the confines of the rules that we have been given. Uh, We've had members ask, you know, if, if they're open, can I be open too? And we warn them. You are risking so much. You are not just risking, you know, uh, public health in this case. You are risking substantial fines. And I think the last I looked, Adamson was, uh, had racked up something like up to $75,000 in fines so far. Um, You are risking, you know, forfeiture of your business license, having the locks change, which I believe happened to Adamson's as well. So again, I I get the frustration. I get the, the desire to do something. But at the same time, you, you have to act within the confines of the rules because we know that businesses are struggling to the point where there's, there's no small business under the sun that can absorb a $50,000 fine. That will sink them. And we're telling you, keep, keep bringing us the examples. We will keep pushing with government. We are, we are fighting as hard as we can. But please do not risk it. Do not risk the future of your business for something that government officials have been quite open about not being acceptable.
0: I totally understand that there needs to be strict regulations in place right now. And, you know, we've always supported those on this show and we continue to. Um, My question is, how could those be made fair for small businesses? Do you guys have um, ideas and feedback that you're giving to the government right now? Like, are there are there a few simple things that could be done to kind of level the playing field in this month?
1: We think so, and we we've launched a, a petition and and uh, put an ad in the the Toronto Star, uh, calling for the province to adopt to adopt a Made in Ontario retail plan, and what we would like to see. Is to open up those small retailers selling non-essential items, and it's I hate that term non-essential. Every business is essential to somebody, but open up those non-essential retailers uh, to holiday customers. And again, we're not saying just just blast the doors open and let everybody in. We understand the need for strict capacity limits. We understand the need for for masks, for hand sanitizer, for safety precautions to be taken. But we're suggesting you know let them open up. We've suggested as many as uh, three customers at a time. Uh, you could do what Alberta. Done, which is uh, 25% uh, capacity based on the fire code. But let some people in and let business owners get at the very least a trickle of some of that holiday revenue to help them to survive. And it's not just, again, it's not just good for the business owner or for the employees. It's going to be good for the whole province and economic recovery. The more businesses that we have that are able to get up and running when it is safe to do so in full, the better off we're going to be. If we have to go through a startup period where we're you know, looking for businesses to fill empty commercial space, where we're going through hiring processes and getting inventory and everything in gear, the economic recovery process for the whole province is going to take way longer than it should.
0: I'm going to play devil's advocate on behalf of the government right now and say, you know, I understand uh, that that's what you guys need. Uh, You can understand that it probably uh, is not the greatest idea and also is terrible optics to be opening up more businesses as cases continue to spike. So given that, what else could be done to uh, eliminate the competitive advantage that big box retailers uh, like the ones you mentioned that have a Joe Fresh in the back or whatever uh, have over small businesses right now?
1: So so I would note first if if the government were to come back to us with that I would challenge them on it a little bit because I'd say look we're not actually opening up the the consumer experience to more consumers by opening up independent retailers. What you've done under the current system is funneled all shoppers to a few specific points. And again, our concern hmm. there that it is way less safe to have 300 people inside a Walmart than two people inside an independent bookstore. So we're not actually adding to the consumers, we're looking to substitute out uh, the consumers that you know, are going to Walmart for non-essentials to smaller businesses that are able to provide them. And again, just sort of spread spread out the number of people. That being said, if the government isn't willing to allow small retailers to open, it is still incredibly unfair that the big box guys get to sell the exact same products. And in that case, we'd like them to take a look at what Manitoba has done and literally have the big box retailers cordon off those non-essential sections. That is what they've got in Manitoba. They have prevented the Walmarts and the Costcos from selling the the TVs, the clothing, the shoes, the jewelry that local independents can and limit them strictly to uh, those essential items only. That is not the best solution. Again, we would much rather see a solution that helps save small businesses, um, but it is certainly a fairer solution uh, than the current uh, ground that we have today.
0: I guess the worry there is that it just drives everyone to Amazon or the like, right?
1: Yeah, and, and again, that's that too is is not a solution that is going to help mm-hmm. businesses. That's not a solution that's going to help communities. I mean, I I can't stress this enough. But for the vast majorities, unless you've got a warehouse in town amazon does not pay local taxes they are mm-hmm. not paving your roads they are not building your schools they're not supporting local charities they're not sponsoring your kids hockey team um, amazon is just money that leaves your community and does not come back i know it's easy i myself have used amazon over the course of the pandemic um, but this holiday season as much as people can please put local first they need you and your whole community is going to be better off for keeping that money local
0: What kinds of things uh, are you suggesting uh, that smaller businesses do just given the current situation? And let's say, you know, no fix is coming and this is not changing. um, What advice do you give them? How do you help them prepare to, you know, at least try to survive in the current reality? So it's, it's incredibly difficult, especially
1: for those that aren't already set up online. But I mean, the way that you know Google's al- algorithm works, if you search a product, odds are it's still Amazon or Walmart that's going to come up first. So what we're really encouraging people to do is talk to your regulars, talk to your regular customers, um, get in touch with them and have them promote you too. I think getting on social media is one of the easier things to do. But again, it's hard to, to sort of generate a marketing campaign coming out of nothing at the same time. Business owners still very much rely on word of mouth um, to spread the word, be it for, for customers, employees, whatever it is. So, the more that people can, uh, you know, leave positive reviews, let their friends know about their favorite spots, good experiences that they've had, um, for businesses that offer services instead of products, um, having a gift card offering uh, this time so that people can find other ways to support you um, is, is also a, an important measure. But really, just Getting the word out there that even though you are not open to in-person retail, um, you are still open to delivery, you can still take orders, you can still do curbside pickup, um, but really letting people know that being being close to them physically being there is not being closed off entirely uh, to ensure that they know you're there and they know that they can come in and support you.
0: So for consumers worried about uh, their local businesses, obviously, first of all, shop there, don't shop at Amazon. Uh, What else can they do to try to make sure that, that their neighborhood shops are still there when this is over?
1: I, th- I think that is that is the biggest thing. If you, if you have holiday dollars to spend, spending them locally is incredibly important. Um, if you don't have holiday dollars to spend, again, you can still contribute, support your local businesses, tell your friends, tell your family, put it put it all over your personal social media. Um, but encouraging that local sentiment is incredibly important. Uh, if you want to get the message across to government as well writing your city councillor, your mayor, your MPP, the premier, um, heading over to cfib.ca slash Save Ontario Business uh, and signing our petition, uh, the more voices that we can get out there in support of local and in keeping local alive, uh, the better we are going to ha- uh, be at affecting policy changes, the better that we are going to be at uh, in making sure people do keep those dollars local. And again, the better off our small businesses and our communities are going to be for it.
0: Last question. It's been uh, less than a week now since these restrictions took effect in the hot zones in Toronto and Peel, and there's been a ton of outcry about it. Uh, you mentioned a couple times that you've been offering your feedback. What are you hearing from the government about what comes next? Are they receptive to changing the regulations? Uh, are, are you expecting to see anything different over the next few weeks?
1: So I will note that at the at uh, the time of recording we just met with Premier Ford, Minister Elliot, Minister Fideli and Minister Sarkaria and Dr. David Williams just this morning uh along with the Retail Council of Canada and the Ontario Chamber of Commerce to discuss this plan uh and to discuss helping retailers moving forward. So again, it's still still an, an early conversation but we are getting that message across to stakeholders. Um, we are at this point confident, at least, that we have been heard. Um, it's you know now sort of ball is in their court to start considering. But uh, you know that the important thing to note here is that every day counts. I know governments don't traditionally make decisions super quickly, um, but things happen very fast for small business owners on the ground. So our work uh, continues. We continue to advocate for our members. Continue to make this push both in our meetings with elected officials, but also publicly uh, in the media through our petitions on our website doing everything we can to encourage that local sentiment uh, and to do everything we can to get businesses open for the holiday season.
0: I hope you see some movement uh, in the near future. And in the meantime, I'll, uh, I'll try to stay away from Amazon. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Ryan Malo, Director of Provincial Affairs for Ontario at the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses. That was the big story. We've covered this issue before. You can go back in our archives. And find those episodes there at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can talk to us anytime on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. You can, of course, email us anytime you want the Big Story Podcast, all one word, all lowercase, at rci.rogers.com. And as always, we are in your podcast player. Every weekday, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. This show shows up at 4 a.m. We don't get up till a few hours later. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. Support local. And have a great weekend. I'm Jordan Heath Rawlings. We'll talk Monday.